0: So this is Krista. And Angel. And we're coming to you live from... Special kind of chaos. Woohoo! Yeah, chaos. This week has been chaotic. Yes, it has. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it was the full moon or if it was the time change, but holy hell. I I have not (laughs) heard of anyone that's had a good week. No, actually everybody I know right now, this has been a crazy week. And I saw the bus driver this morning and I'm pretty sure she's ready to take a vacation. (laughs)
1: Those poor bus drivers. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm kind of that bottom barrel friend. So I'm that person that she, forgets those sentimental things like gifts. All the time, bottom
1: <laughs> barrel friends. So yeah. you, you just have to know that she will not text you on your birthday no. or yeah, her gift. She says, oh yeah,
0: By I should way, do that.
1: Here. Um, which is just <laughs> the funniest thing because that's not a bottom barrel. That's no. just someone who's really busy and.
0: But if you need me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I promise
0: I will be there. Like Absolutely. The
1: I just think it's hysterical to tell you the truth. <laughs> so I'm going to start using that. So when you hear that from me, just know it's Krista. Krista's influence. <laughs> yes.
0: All right. So guess what? Um, We have some exciting news today. I can't wait. Ooh, we have a special guest and I'm going to introduce her and then she's going to get to tell us about some really fun things. But here's uh, here's kind of how this all went down so my really good girlfriend heard the podcast episode with um conservatorship oh yeah and she was like she knows that there's a lot of fear that i have about like getting older and what that independence might look like for my daughter so and i think that is something oh. we all worry about it's not you
1: know so i think that's why this is so important for all of us. So even us with the younger kiddos, you know, Ben's only five years away from
0: this. It gives me anxiety. Yeah, I I actually, I pretty much just resolve myself to the fact that she'll probably always be with me. Well, and I hear it
1: from uh, parents of all levels, right? Their kiddos are, are all on different ends of the disability spectrum. And so it really is something that is, very um what am I trying to say every parent has it It well we have
0: but see we have to think about it because we won't always be here so we have to we have to set our kids up for success and but my girlfriend calls me and she's like Krista I don't know if you know this but my sister you have to talk to her and I'm like why and she's like because there's life beyond your special needs that you have right now and you have to like You have to talk to her because she's so passionate and she can totally tell you about what is possible, even if you can't see it yet. And inside I'm going, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. So I I reluctantly at first, I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot and let's see what happens. And so um, she ended up connecting us. And so, oh my goodness. So I talked to Miss Jessica, she's our guest today. And immediately when we were on the phone, like I can hear her passion. I can hear her expertise, and I can. Uh, she like I instantly felt that feeling uh, to hear more. I guess that's really what it was. It was like, okay, well, maybe there is something out there, and so we decided that we would do a podcast about this. Which I think, um, did I say podcast or podcast? Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I said it, so I was like, okay, this is perfect. Let's bring this, and so. Here's kind of how this episode's going to go, we're going to do a two-part episode. This one is going to be introducing Miss Jessica and all of her fabulousness, and then we're going to open this up to our uh, audience to give us some questions. You can do it, leave a voice message through our podcast, which we'd love to hear your voice with your questions so that we can let her hear you um, asking the questions. Or you can join our Facebook group and you can actually write your questions out and then we will read them and she'll get a chance to answer them. So the first one will be this one, us kind of giving you an overview. And the next one will be a question and answer session. So, so Ms. Krista, what yeah. Facebook group, what's the name of our oh, Facebook
1: group and Our Instagram?
0: Facebook. Yes, yes. Our Facebook group is a special kind of chaos podcast and our Instagram is a special kind of chaos dot pod. Okay, so let's get started. So Miss Jessica, she here's what you should know about her. She is a regional director for a supported living services uh, company. She actually oversees five offices and she's been doing this for about 11 years. She's worked up the entire system. So she came in at an entry level. She was um, working one-on-one with clients and over the 11 years, she quickly kind of grew through the thing. And now she's now she's a regional director. But the interesting thing is when I was talking to her about coming onto to our podcast, one of the things that she said was uh, that she had to talk to one of her clients. And so in that conversation, it actually told me that she hasn't completely separated herself from the people that she's working with. She actually must still be in the field. So I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, she is also a special needs aunt, so she has a very direct and personal connection to our special needs community, and I think the most profound thing that she has said to me is that she wants to change the the stigma behind uh, giving independence for our special needs community. So, Ms. Jessica, welcome to our podcast. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. All right, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do?
2: So currently, I mean, I've kind of done it all in this field, in the field of supported living. I've kind of, like you you mentioned, um, I started off as a direct support staff, so working one-on-one. I kind of specialized in people with um, higher medical needs that also had developmental disabilities. So people with epilepsy disorders and and things like that. I I just knew I just knew really early on that I wanted to move up the ranks and be somebody that could actually impact um, the way that supports are provided to adults with developmental disabilities, because in the grand scheme of things, it's all very new still, you know, it's only been well just what five years since our developmental center in napa stopped having permanent housing right so all of those people that were in permanent housing are now in the out in the community um and living their lives Pretty great, actually, for the most part. So this is all still such a new thing, and so I'm, I'm I've been so excited and passionate to be more at like the entry level of building what supported and independent living services look like for uh, for this population of individuals, so that they can live in the community just like just like I do.
0: Right. So um, I can't believe it's been five years since they closed that facility. Don't quote me on that. I
2: feel like, so the last few years, obviously COVID, right? It's only been six months since COVID started, right? Like everything's been all lumped together (laughs) for the last couple of years. So don't quote me on that. I wanna say it's been been five or six years since um, they stopped with the actual, the full-time residential program um, at our state hospital.
0: Yeah, I you're I think you're about right because I because it was a gradual phase out that they did. So like when they started, it took a couple of years to fully figure out what it was going to happen with the residents.
2: It did. It took a long time. And actually, um, I in the time that they were doing the phase out and they were they were kind of trickling people out into the community. Right. Um, I worked for two different agencies dur- during that time. One of them, the, the one I'm currently with, and was a big part of setting up. Um, you know, in some situations it had to be almost, you know, emergency services for some people because the deadlines just got on us so quickly. And because there's so many wheels turning in this system all together, like the regional centers work with DDS, work with the vendors, work, work with the families, work with the clients and their support teams. There's a thousand cogs in this machine. So getting all of them to turn together sometimes wound up where you only had 24 hours to find this person housing a support staff and an agency to work for or to to be supported by. So I was a big part of um, that process and it was it was crazy. There was a lot of stuff going on at that time. It was very very chaotic for a lot of people but I think that overall you know the state did a pretty good job.
1: So Jessica are you referring to the Napa State Hospital? And Correct. Then- Okay, so then we also had the Sonoma Developmental Center yes. close. Yes, yes. So, so... They, and they
2: closed around the same time.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. I I didn't, I, I guess, yeah, that's a developmental center um, mm-hmm. in itself. So, um, you know, being on the board at North Bay Regional Center, such a big portion of what was happening for years, like you're saying, is, is... Um, you know, finding those clients, the right placement, um, and services. And sometimes it took a while and that's so frustrating because everything was right there for them. And now it's, you're piecing this together and, and finding the right fit. Right. And sometimes when you're at that high level, it doesn't fit nicely. And so that is so frustrating for parents. Um, absolutely. get that all worked out to find that, that perfect um, fit. And quite honestly, some of them are still, you know, the later, they're still working through that. So. But, no, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely,
2: I mean, there were so many people that needed uh, the support that, In reality, had the mindset been different from the beginning, had the stigma been different from the beginning, these people wouldn't have been in developmental centers. They would have already had the supports from young adulthood to be out in the community had the families been given the appropriate support, had the families been given the appropriate knowledge. A lot of these people could have been in the community from the beginning, from 18, 20, or whatever, or whenever the family was ready, you know? And that's something, again, that's kind of what I'm here to talk about a little bit today, because that's something that I'm also very passionate about is setting up the supports that are going to stick
0: with somebody for their entire life from young adulthood, leaving mom and dad to forever. So, okay, so let's, let's take that into real time. So my daughter right now is turning 18. Um, and what, what is that next step? Where do we go from here? what what so, is that for me now
2: so so it, um you know generally for a lot of families that is there's that that schooling program right where where they stay in school until they're probably 21 22 i think is when they officially age out of that of that program yeah um some parents however decide that at 18 they're ready to start getting some good outside independent living skill influences um So in situations like that, where they're going to school, some parents opt, like I said, to have somebody come in and start with um, services that are going to set them up for living possibly independently one day. And that, for a lot of parents, can be a bit mind-boggling because they have this child who they know every detail, ins and outs, they know every trigger, how to diffuse every bomb, or how to how to ride out the storm when they're not diffusible. Um, right. And having a, somebody come in from the outside um, can be really, really scary. And I understand that completely. Like that can be a big, um, I plan on, when my nephew goes through this process, I plan on being there with my sister because I'm like, I'm going to ask all the questions. Right, <laughs> you right. know? I'm going to make sure that whoever it comes in to see him is, gonna, is all about him right. and what he needs and not, their own agenda. So what happens for you know somebody at your child's age, what I would actually encourage is while they're still in school if it's not too overwhelming for her would be to look into independent living services. So a lot of agencies like the one I work for have a supportive living service and that's for people that already live out in the community and then they have independent living services and that's for people that still live at home, Um, Well, predominantly for people that still live at home. And that's where we come in and we're like, all right, let's learn how to make macaroni and cheese. Let's learn how to wash our own laundry. Let's, um, you know, maybe your daughter wants to get her. I I don't know much about your daughter, but some people, you know, they want to get their driver's license. Let's work on that together with with a support person. It starts to take away the stuff that we as parents give our kids that are chores, and it starts to turn that into skill building with a support, with the correct support person it's no longer chores that mom's making me do. Now, this is me learning how to take care of my own house and how to take care of my own banking and how to get a driver's license and how to do all of this stuff on my own. Um, and that's something that can be done alongside of the school program. So that's generally no more than 30, 30, 50, it depends on your regional center. North Bay Regional Center tops out their ILS services at 35 hours a month, which is about eight hours, roughly eight hours a week. Um, that person may come and just see them on a Saturday for eight hours and just take them out for the whole day and go do their thing. Or they may split it up. It depends on what your daughter would need or what is best for you guys. Um, they would come in and, and
0: give mom a break, you know? So, okay. So... What is so? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna rephrase this and see yeah. if I make sure I understand. So they would come here. They would have my daughter, and let's say she has a list of things that she has to accomplish in the day. Maybe it's um going and grab, like getting a couple of outfits at the store, mm-hmm. or maybe going and getting lunch. Like, what is it? What do you guys do if you have time? Me, you know. So
2: when we set up supports for people, when we set up their, um, their, it's kind of like in the school system it would be similar to their IEP, but this would be an ISP, an Individual Support Plan, um, or the Regional Center calls it an IPP. Mm -hmm. Um, We call it an ISP from the agency side. And in that ISP, so during an assessment period, which is that first few times when you sit down with the family, you sit down with the client and you kind of just chat and it's very casual feeling. It doesn't feel like an official meeting unless it needs to. Um, That's when you kind of sit and decide, okay, what are some areas, as a professional, I would be identifying what are some areas this person needs support in, in order to you know, maybe she wants to move out in two years and live in her own apartment. Okay, so what are the big heavy hitting things that I have to keep track of in my own life that I need to adapt and teach her how to do in her life with support? Um, So yeah, it could very well be, you know, a trip to the store to get a new outfit encompasses way more than just going to the store to get a new outfit, right? We're working on social skills. right? We're working on banking and budgeting, right? We're working on, um, you know, dressing weather appropriate. So obviously if we go in December because we need something to wear to a Christmas party, we are not going to get tank tops and a pair of shorts. Or for some people, maybe we are with a really warm jacket if they're really set on tank tops and shorts. Um, we try not to lose that too much, but, um, you know, going going to lunch, again, encompasses a lot of things. That encompasses dietary, right? So that is, are we making healthy eating choices? Are we following our budget? If we only have a budget of this much money every week, then are we within our budget? Are we going to break the bank by going out to eat? Things that you and I think about too, you know, when we're getting ready to go out for a nice dinner, wait, is this going to cost me my gas money for next week? Or, you know, what's the natural consequence if I spend too much money here? <laughs> so. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, you can go, we we build all of those things into the support plan. And then our daily activities, we find ways to make those fit in with our support plans. Like I said, it could be banking, budgeting, um, social interactions. All of those are set as goals in an ISP. And then the support worker with the case manager or with the program director would figure out what does accomplishing those goals
0: look like for this individual, because everybody's different. Wow, so you have my brain spinning, literally. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know so many special needs friends and I can see that they all have different levels of need, obviously, right? And I can really see some of them, because what you're describing in some ways even sounds like a life coach, right? I'm going to, I'm going to put you on this path and then I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you through, through life. In a lot of
2: ways, in a lot of ways, the independent living services at the, at the early age of 18 to 22 is very much like a life coach. Now, when you get into supported living, that's when, let's say your daughter moves out when she's 23, she might need somebody there with her more than eight hours a week, right? Right. That's when you get into supported living services and then it's completely reassessed. You know, how does she need somebody there every day? Does she need somebody there every other day? Does she need somebody there 24 hours a day? You know, that all of that stuff is then assessed at the at the later level. But yeah, while they're still at home, it is it is very similar to a life coach. Very, very similar to a life coach.
0: So in thinking of different needs of the different, like, you know, that full spectrum of abilities, My daughter, I would consider her kind of severely impacted. Um, how I'm guessing you have clients that are like that, right? I have every age, every range of disability, (laughs)
2: every, everything, everything you can think of. Um, and then what you can't think of, I've definitely at some point interacted with or helped or supported. Yeah, definitely
0: in my mind it's really hard to grasp what that independence might look like for her so somebody that's severely impacted so let me describe she needs help with her daily living skills she's nonverbal. um she has behaviors so right now we have like behavioral therapies and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um you know where we are in the future i have no idea but where we are right now those are the kinds of things that she kind of overcomes Do you see this being an option for her as well? Absolutely.
2: In fact, those sorts of things, I don't know if you saw me, like when you said like nonverbal severe behavior, I get a smile on my face. (laughs) And the reason is, and I know that, you know, that's probably easier for me to say because I haven't lived with it, you know, for my child's entire life. People exactly like that and parents exactly like you that have this feeling of I'm going to be a full-time caregiver for the rest of my life. Right. Right. Because they don't, they don't see how is it possible? How is it possible that, um, my child who doesn't communicate verbally, notice I said verbally, right. Um, is going to be able to tell a support person what they need. If they have a stomach ache, if they have a headache, if they, you know, need to go to the bathroom, if they, how, how is my person, how is my special person going to communicate all of this in the in the real world setting. Well, I can tell you right now that I probably have easily 25 to 30 people that live in their own apartments with 24 hour support staff that do not speak a word verbally. They have behavior specialists that come in and do training with our support staff and also provide direct support as well. They work with us as a team, right? So you have this, your child has this, this outstanding support team that build a support plan and we think of all those little things. We think of all those like how is this, how is she going to communicate with us? How is she going to figure out how to budget? We can figure all of that out, all of that stuff is very, very doable. Um, If your child is conserved or has a parent as a payee, then obviously we work very closely with the conservator and with the payee to make sure that we put some safeguards in place, just in case, you know, right. in case the ability to actually budget isn't all the way there.
0: And right. then we said, you know, we build a program around it. it. Is encouraging that they've been able to overcome that. So instantly, I go to how do I keep her safe? Like mm-hmm. how do I keep her safe without me?
2: So that's a real that's a real thing because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit off off. Off to the side here if you look at the statistics and I'm sure that you as parents probably have (laughs) of the percentage of people right that have been subjected to abuse financial physical sexual mental all of those things right like it actually makes me tear up to think that these people this population of, of individuals that I adore that I love so much that I treat with the utmost respect to think that they could be taken advantage of absolutely boils my blood. And, and, I'll, and I'm gonna be completely blunt with you. There is no way to ever 100% guarantee that something will not happen. Right. That's the hard truth. There is no way to guarantee that somebody won't steal, that somebody won't um, say unkind words. There's no way. The way that I tell people to set your mind a bit at ease is that you have to find a company that feels like home. You have to find an agency that when you sit down and you talk to these people, you can tell, right? Because you know your child, you know uh, the energy that they put off. And you want to find somebody whose energy matches that. Somebody that you can spend time with and say, okay, I trust you in this process. And that's the hardest part. The absolute hardest part is finding somebody that you trust with your child. And I think that that doesn't doesn't discriminate whether you have a special needs child or a non-special needs child. As a parent, that is hands down the hardest thing is finding somebody that you trust with your child, with their life, with their livelihood, with their innocence, everything. I can tell you that agencies do have safeguards in place as far as we background check, right? We background check through the state, through the FBI, we do a national background check. And they stay on file as long as they're employed. So if I hire Joe Smith today and he has a clean background, but in six months he gets a domestic violence charge filed against him, the day it happens, I get notified. And the day it happens, I'm pulling Joe Smith off my clients.
1: So even if he is on vacation in Nebraska, if he were to have an assault charge or anything,
2: right. I get it right in my email. As soon as it hits the police system, it hits my email because
1: I'm,
2: we're hooked up with the DOJ. And that's something that the regional center has in our service contracts is that we maintain a steady Uh, a steady um background check on all of our employees and that's it's huge because you know we you can tell a lot about somebody by by things like that right like if if just kind of in general like what sort of situations do they put themselves in if they have things like that on their background checks um so you know we and especially if it's if it's for me, if it is a, a physical violence or a theft that comes back on a background check when I when I'm in the hiring process for somebody, it's almost always gonna be a no right. for me. You know, it's almost always gonna be I can't take that risk. These are right. people's lives literally in my hands. I cannot take that risk. I will not take that risk. There's a subway down the street. Have you know, I will give you a letter of recommendation. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So that is really hard is that is there is just like with anything in life there's no way to 100 percent say for sure other than to, that you have to trust the agency that you're with which is something that i actually wrote down in my notes to talk about today is that process it's trust man that's it's just and that's such a hard thing to do in this day and age it's so hard to do that right now um, with everything in the world it's such a hard thing to trust somebody especially with your child um
1: can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. So of course. I absolutely understand the um connection, right? You're you're working with an agency. So let's say I'm interviewing and checking mm-hmm. into different agencies and I adore you. What's the process then for the direct service staff? Because that's always the concern, the oversight, right? Right. Right. And is there um that same interview kind of process for the workers that are gonna be the direct service staff to our our kiddos? Absolutely,
2: so for me personally, when I'm doing an assessment or an intake, um, I kind of have this ability to, as I'm speaking to the family and as I'm speaking to the person receiving the supports, I can start to match make a little bit in my mind because I feel the energy, I see the vibe in the home, I see the, the personality of the of the client coming through, and I'm like, ooh, I know exactly. And most of the time I'm right. Most of the, very seldom do I get it wrong, but that person is still, the person being receiving supports and the family are still given the opportunity to meet this person, spend some time in the home, the, the, you know, maybe go on a trip to the grocery store with, with the person receiving supports, you're going to find that a lot of those people that they hire have very similar mindset to them because, you know, I think that's human nature to gravitate towards people that are like-minded. I absolutely 100% also agree that you should be interviewing direct support staff. I might have four or five people that I'm going to say, Hey, I have a couple of, I have a few people here that I think would be great matches. You know do you want to come to the office and meet them you want me to send them over how would you like me to do it whatever works best for the family and for the person receiving the supports and then we would go from there and then you guys would get to choose i'm big on client rights i think that the Landsman act was something that was very very hard fought for and one of the things in there is that the client has the right to choose their support team right and i tell my clients this all the time you have the right to choose if you don't like what my company stands for. I will help you interview with another company. I will set it up. I will introduce you to people that I know that are in the field. Uh, You have the right to choose who is in your, in your corner. Um, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be, you know, the next company. It can be four or five agencies down the road. If until you're happy with your support team, because that's big because your support team that they're your advocates, they're your family. They are a lot for you Um, so I would say yeah you absolutely would need to interview those direct support staff I may only have a couple of people that are already working for me that I think would be a good fit Um, but I also would get to hiring if I needed to I would start looking outside too for somebody that I think would be a good fit.
0: So how how accessible are you if I am a parent and I have my team that helps And then obviously you're like up the tier a little bit, right? Like how accessible is everybody? Right. So,
2: So every agency staggers their management system a little bit different, right? So my particular agency, we have our direct support staff, and those are the ones that are in the homes every day, taking care of our clients. Then we have what's called our client services facilitator, our CSF, which is more like a case manager. They each carry five or six cases right and that person is always going to be your first line of of management right your first person to go to your junior manager so to speak very well versed they would be part of the assessment and the intake process they would understand um the, the the support needs and then up from that is your program director every some agencies call it a different name i call it a program director but they're basically the top line of management in their particular office now me, I'm a bu- I'm a bit above that, but I also have, I still have parents to this day from my vac. I set up the back of the office for my agency. I still have parents and family members to this day that call me and I never, I never deny their calls. I mean, I always take them if it's something that's, you know, it could usually it's something positive, but if it's ever something that is like, Hey, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so did this, this, and this, then I take that. And I obviously I direct that down to my management and say, Hey handle this this isn't okay or or celebrate this because this is fantastic you know i just had a client the other day I want to say he's 47 or 48 years old. He's been trying for 12 years to get his driver's license and just got his driver's license. Hey. So like, <laughs> I was like, Hey, I'm like, I was like, here's the company credit card number. Take him to dinner, please. Like just take him and celebrate, like just go, you know? So yeah, I'm pretty accessible. Our pro your, every member of management should be accessible, right? Every company has to have a grievance procedure per regional center protocols, especially if there's something bad going on or if, the, if there's a hard spot for me, Personally, I'm always super accessible to anybody. Every agency is a little bit different, but they're, certainly their case management and their internal senior management should always be accessible.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. All right, so you said, so one of the things that came to mind while you were talking, what if our our kids... I mean, I call them kids, but they are adults also have like therapies that, that help them to gain skills of some sort, right? Whether it's behavioral or maybe even occupational or speech or whatever. So do you do their life coaches? What do you call them? What do you call them? Um, uh, My staff are called direct support professionals, DSPs. Okay. So do your direct support go with
2: them? That's the national term for the people that provide supports is direct support professional. And as far as... If they have therapies, we can take them, we participate, we help implement them back in the home. So if, the, if they meet with a oh, the physical wonderful. therapist that says, that says they need to wear their AFOs for 10 hours a day, we're gonna help them strap those bad boys on every morning and make sure they wear them 10 hours a day. Um, if they meet with an occupational therapist that says, oh, they need certain grab rails or a triangle over their bed or whatever the case is, we will help them get those things and get them implemented into their daily support. So we work hand in hand with other um agencies behavioral supports we have a lot of people that have behavioral supports that set up like token systems or ticket systems for rewarding positive you know positive coping skills things like that we participate in that fully we do the documentation every day that the agency might want us to do we work side by side because it's all the same team right right we just all play a different role but we still help out with all of those elements
0: So, like let's so use that as an example because that is something my daughter needs she uses a token chart to Uh achieve success for um things that are particularly not she doesn't want to do so you would incorporate that into her independent living situation um as part of just what your direct support personnel do yeah
2: so our direct support person would probably want to work with the behavioral support to be trained on how to utilize that tools properly and with how it's set up that way it's it's consistent in treatment across the board. Um, but yeah once they're trained for it I, we'd probably have a member of management trained to, to pro- provide that support as well use that tool correctly
0: um, yeah, absolutely. We do it all the time. So okay then let's switch and say it's speech. So my daughter uses an AAC device so she's oh, awesome. nonverbal but she uses that to communicate and um her, her skills are um you know she's gaining skills and so would do they use the aac device or would they use that in their communication with her like would they start to incorporate that as well right so so that is an extension of her so
2: whatever she has that she needs whatever piece of adaptive equipment again will it require some training probably You'll probably mm-hmm. have to learn how to you know assist her if she needs support with that device but it's the same as you know anything really that's an extension of her body to have that device to communicate with so yeah no totally that's not that's a non-issue for any agency they're going to incorporate that into her support plan oh my goodness
1: <laughs> her support plan can i go backwards for one second yeah i wanted to ask so we interview you is Absolutely. there it, does it go both ways, right? So let's say you sit down and Krista is a
0: pain in the
1: <laughs> rumpus.
0: Which I I can be.
1: I, it's okay. Right? Or I, you I get know. into the program <laughs> and you're working with this family and they are just awful. Is there ever a time that you have to end the relationship?
2: There is. There is. And I will tell you the most, it's not an easy conclusion to come to, Right. Because you don't ever want to feel like you failed the person receiving supports and you especially don't want to feel like you failed that that person because not because of the clients, but because of an outside energy, yeah. an outside source. Right. It takes a long time for me to get there after they've become a client. Right. Because when you become a client, to me, you become part of my family. You know, I may stop by on your birthday with a cupcake I may stop by on Christmas with a card and a, t- and a teddy bear. Like you become part of my, of my family, that's genuinely how I feel. So I will always, always, always try to work with the family like Krista, for example, if I felt that there was something that you were doing that could be potentially impeding your daughter's progress, I'm gonna find a way to sit down with you and say, hey, look, this is where I'm at, this is what I see how can we come together and, and resolve this? And how can we, you know, what support can I provide to you as her mom to make you feel more comforted about whatever the situation is? Now there's some families, there's some clients actually that don't have families that I meet with. yeah. And I know almost immediately, I can't support this person. Mm. I do not have the capability to provide them with the proper level of support, right? And that could be, I mean, that could be, we we have clients that, you know, can flip your car over, can throw a fridge at you. You know what I mean? I personally, that's not my niche. I can't do it. If now you get, you throw some high medical needs at me, some nonverbal at me, some all this other stuff. And I'm like, heck yeah, man, bring it on. But there's certain things that I don't have the ability to manage, but I know that there's agencies out there that do. And I will very, very, softly let them know. But I also let them know that I would support them in finding a good
1: fit. So I love that you said you work with the parents, but I I feel like some parents really need coaching, right? And and that mentoring piece. And I find that that people are really shying away from it, right? And is that, so when you're having those conversations, do agencies, you know, kind of take that approach? Or is it, you know what I mean?
2: So here's the thing, is that this day and age, everybody's afraid to state the obvious, right? Everybody's afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, of being considered a Karen. You know, like we're all afraid of being even though we're not trying to be offensive, we're all afraid of not being politically correct or not being kind enough or, but sometimes the reality is, is that we just need to say exactly what the yeah, situation exactly. is. We just need to be straightforward and say, look, you doing this is impeding your daughter's growth. If you can give me an inch here for 30 days and see her progress, right. give me 30 days. Um, or what, it might just be a week, right. who knows. Like, I will have those conversations with families because like I said, I feel like when somebody comes into my agency, they become part of my family and I'm okay with being blunt and upfront with my family members. And I tell people that during my intake process, Hey, I'm about as real as it comes. I'm not going to sugarcoat things, especially when it comes to your child's supports because your child deserves the best supports. And I know that ultimately through all the parents' anxiety and angst about things, I know that that's what they want, is they want their child to be taken care of and taken care of well. So in the end, what winds up happening is I have those uncomfortable conversations with a parent that might be a bit too overbearing, but then they get see that it wasn't malicious. Yeah, I know that it's never malicious. It's it's anxiety, it's fear, right? Because you've been doing this their whole lives. Right, Handing that off to somebody else yes. is not easy. So I get that I'm understanding of that, but I'm also not afraid to say, Hey, you're being a little much right now. Let's yeah. take a step back. Let me provide you with some support so that I can get back to providing your child with support. Cause I do have parents. I have conservators that, um, honestly that, um, make my job 20 times harder than it needs to be because they want to know when every light switch is flipped. They want to yeah. know when, um, you know, yeah. if, if she, if they don't take their medication at eight 30, but they take it at, at 8 45 instead that day, because they slept in 10 minutes. Those sorts of things can, can make our jobs a bit more difficult, but do we do it? Yes, we do it. Am I going to eventually say something to the family member in a nice coming from a place of love? I would be doing the client a disservice if I didn't.
0: Well, and I think it goes back to what you said, you know, there has to be a level of trust Mm -hmm. and I think when you're having those real honest conversations, It Mm -hmm. helps to build the trust where I'm like, okay, you're telling me that I need to step back a little. I, I I honestly feel like, okay, well, I think I can trust you just because you told me that, you know, so I feel like that's a really good thing. And I personally, I know that I work the best with people who will just be honest with me because I a hundred percent don't trust anybody. (laughs) And if you want me to trust you, you have to earn it. And so those, those little pieces, I'm like, oh wow, I really like that you just told me that. Okay, I think I can step back just a little. And then pretty soon that gap grows more and more. And I and I trust more and more that the things are happening the way that they should. But I might be overbearing at first. And yeah. that's simply that's, because my yes, experience, yeah, right. my experience has shown me that I can't step away until you prove that I can, you know? Right. So, And
2: that's absolutely to be expected. There is a period, you know, the first few months, sometimes even the first year of providing supports to somebody, especially a young person, can be very, still very hands-on. You're gonna have support staff looking to you right, to see what your coping skills are for a behavior. They're gonna be watching how does, because the parents, right, parents do it probably better than the behavioralist half the time, right? So they're going to be looking to you guys so that they can mold their supports kind of around what what works in the home. Even if they don't you know, if they wind up in in their own apartment eventually, they are gonna wanna still keep that support consistent that what works needs to stay the same. So you're gonna find that they're gonna be, they might ask you a lot of questions. They're gonna, you're gonna be so involved in building a support plan for your young person that by the end of that kind of honeymoon period before the staff really get in there and start doing their thing, you're gonna be like, I need a vacation. <laughs> Let me out of this house. I'm going, I'll be, I'll, I'll be in Mexico for a week. Y'all can stay here. Just don't drink the tequila. Just no. Um, yeah, I know. So you'll be so involved, and I think, and you should be so involved. And if you're not, reevaluate right. who you have providing support. Because nobody should ever make you feel pushed out. Unless you're being ridiculous. And I tell you you're being ridiculous. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey dial right.
1: back right um but obviously <laughs> I, you know, please everyone listen to this like <laughs> this is so important right right Let's, oh have that open conversation for our providers as well as the parents so i i just i have to stop you for a second and say please rewind this piece, (laughs) rewind, you know what I mean. Uh, go back, like, listen to it again, because we all need to hear that everyone. So from all
0: parts of this, this circle here. And, um, so there's a lot of truth there. So, okay. What about right now? We're still kind of in COVID is COVID impacting what this is looking like for us as well.
2: So here's the biggest part of what COVID is impacting right now. It's not necessarily the beginning of new supports. Um, it's not necessarily impacting the way agencies are functioning. What COVID has done, unfortunately, is COVID has taken away our employees. Yeah. We have been hit hard by this, na- this worldwide everybody quit your job, right? Right. Because we are funded, you know, we're funded by DDS, who then gives their money to North to, to the regional center, who then decides what an hourly rate is to pay our agencies. So I'm going to just get into the business module of it a little bit. Yes, And we haven't had an increase. When is the last time the governor gave disability services an increase? Right. Long time. In fact, we're always the first place he cuts, right? He cuts our money like it's no big deal. Um, Maybe he doesn't think of it like that. Maybe I'm being a bit crass, but that's how I feel because I've been in this for so long. We're special needs parents. We think that too. (laughs) Right, so I feel like like there's a lot of places that money could be cut that doesn't affect people's lives to the extent that this does because we haven't had an increase in so long. Therefore, we don't get to pay our people what they deserve. These people should be making 25, 30 bucks an hour. And they're yes. stuck with minimum wage because that's all that the, that's all they give us. Right. So it's really difficult because, you know, this day and age, people need to make money. Inflation is insane. Ga- we, we've all seen gas prices, right? right. It takes me a whole day of work now to fill my gas tank. A whole day, an entire day, and I'm an upper. I'm in senior management. So, oh, um, you know, we are. That's our biggest thing right now is finding that's the biggest impact that COVID has had you know we follow the cdc guidelines we have we encourage we don't push politically for vaccinations or anything like that we tell them hey let's what does your doctor say we go by what the doctor says what the medical team says some cases what the conservator says we still mask my company in particular we still wear a mask out in public even if the client isn't wearing one i want to still do that until we're Right. more in the clear. You know, we still definitely practice safe, you know, maybe not safe distancing as much, but we're making sure we're washing hands. We're wearing a mask when we need to wear a mask. We don't go to work when we're sick. We COVID test when we need to COVID test, things like that. But hands down, the biggest thing has been this mass exodus of, from the working for, working field. And it hasn't just affected us. If you look at any yeah, restaurant yeah. or business, everybody, and it's, where did they go? Right. Like, right. <laughs> oof, you <know? laughs> Do they not have bills to pay just because? Right. Or are they working? Because right. everybody's short staffed. So where did they go? You know, um, that's the biggest impact COVID <laughs> I'm has had.
0: So okay, well that's a really good point. And I I am part of a nonprofit, and oftentimes I feel that the best people that come into this industry usually have a connection to someone that's shown them that you know hey these amazing people are out there. So. If there's a family member or, um, a friend or somebody that just kind of starts to feel a calling that, you know, being a life coach or being some sort of a direct support professional is their calling, what would be their step in looking for that job?
2: Um, honestly, you can go, I can tell you right now that I've got like 17 different ads out on any hiring service indeed, Facebook, marketplace, Instagram. I mean, I have ads out everywhere. And they would just type in, you know, supported living or independent living and you're going to get a list. You're going to get a list for sure, because we're all, it's a crisis at this point. You know, we're trying to provide supports to the clients that we currently have. We have management out right now providing direct support still um, as we discussed, you know, uh, not that I wouldn't anyways, because I love staying centered and staying grounded and staying connected to the people that I support, even from an administrative level. That's my, that's like my cake, right? Like right. I love being connected. So I still would provide supports regardless, but we have management that are taking away from administrative tasks and going out into the field and working 40 hours a week in the field, providing supports to the clients and then coming in and doing the business aspect of the job as well. Um, you know, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes just to keep our clients supported. Right. So and I then would say- you
1: can't be grumpy. We don't want you to be grumpy. No. And so <laughs> right. that's what's, you know, I would beg parents in any, um, services our our, uh, loved one is receiving that we really need to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, we're just grateful to have you, but two, especially when they are really those superstars, right. And like, we've got to love them. We've got to take care of them. We need to give them some grace because they are working so hard to cover for other people that, you know, aren't there. So- Agreed,
2: um, agreed. And that doesn't just go for direct support levels. I get a lot of people that come to me that are so overwhelmingly frustrated with their regional center, Mm -hmm. right? And um, the first thing I always tell them, because I have friends personal friends who are service coordinators at the regional at North Bay regional center, for example. And I know that it's frustrating because it's our people's supports. It's your child's supports, but I have to be a little, I have to give a little bit of grace because I expect grace occasionally as well. And I tell them, these people are managing an insane amount of clients. I know I have everywhere from 90 to like 160 on their caseload. Could you imagine having ninety children that you have to look after every day, and you have to know the ins and outs of their life to a tee? Like, things are gonna slip, right? right. Do we well, push? Or to you're sure-
1: not gonna get that phone call. Like, I hear a lot from parents, like, I never hear from North right. Bay. No, right? we we have to be the people to initiate because it's our pro. Our, it's
0: proactive. Yeah. You have to be proactive for what you you know, what you need and because if they don't hear from you, they don't think
1: anything. Right. They think you're okay. Yeah. They think
2: everything is status quo and they can focus on those people that are in crisis. Yes. Um, or that have, you know, an emergency coming up. And I always tell parents and, and any family member and even my clients sometimes, yes, you should absolutely call and leave messages with your regional center. However, get their email address because their emails I and I can tell you probably 95% of service coordinators at the regional center sit down at home at the yes. end of the day that they probably just spent 10 to 12 hours working and they go through their emails Yeah. right so put your e- put your stuff in an email follow always 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 follow up because then in 2 weeks 3 weeks when they say oh I haven't heard from you about this you can say let me just redirect you to yeah. the email that let me forward this to you just to prove that I did do my part. And I do this as a, as a, as a uh, regional director constantly. I tell all of my employees, yes, call and leave a message. If you have to call and leave a message, follow that message up with an email. Always, always. And I told my parents the same thing. Oh, you know, my family members, the same thing. Send that email because then you have proof that it, that it happened and they have a, something concrete to fall back on and look at and remind themselves you know they may put a a flag on your email to remind themselves in the morning look into that
1: um I love that (laughs) you sorry they have problems with their phones too I know they just had to um change their system and so there were a lot of calls that weren't getting through and um you know and messages not um not being saved or you know and so again we all experience that we've had some issues even at the school district right at times and so i always try to remind people like okay the first one we don't hear back then we call again right. um if that continues to be an issue ask for a supervisor right. um don't don't be shy don't let those things slide by right um, because we do that right oh right. We just we just I never heard back call, call, call your, your loved one's needs are super important. And, and
2: add email into that list of
0: things, email, email, email. (laughs) Yes. I, I actually, I really appreciate you saying that because oftentimes I feel like parents feel like putting it in writing is very formal and it can come across like you're being, you know, mean or critical or whatever. Um, but the fact that you're welcoming that. And the fact that you like you said, you can flag it, you can come back to it. You can't like that phone call where you hang up, you can't always revisit. It's it's right. a lot easier to revisit that email where yeah. you had a list of things that you wanted to talk about right. and nothing gets missed. I right. appreciate that you actually open that, yeah, open that up and make that feel okay for parents to do.
2: Yeah, whatever. no, I encourage it. I encourage it on the agency level and on the regional center, you know, level. Um, because you know i had a mentor that told me one time if it's not in writing it never Mm. happened true um and so putting things in documentation for me is huge and then i have a chain i can go back and look at i have a list of responses i can go back and look at i have a list of areas of concern from the family i can go back and look at um and you know, maybe I'm building a new ISP for your for your daughter. I have this list now of things that I can go back and, and remember that these were important things. They might've only been, they may be only important once every other month, if she has this, you know, if she has something happen every other month behaviorally, but it was important at one point, and I wanna make sure that we incorporate that into the support. So having documentation for me, it's huge. Uh, we don't remember every little detail of verbal conversations.
0: Man, we have touched on so much today.
1: I feel I feel, I feel like as
0: as I'm I'm gonna go back and listen to this, and I'll probably come up with a bunch more things to ask. One of the main things that I think will will come up is it sounds like most of your funding comes from North Bay Regional Center. But oh, what they- if what if a client's not part of North Bay Regional Center? Is this still an option for them? So there is agencies out there that are. Um, options for them. Mine
2: particular is only funded. We are vendored through North Bay Regional Center. Well, I'm vendored through many regional centers. I think we have 11, nine or ten eight regional centers in California that we're vendored through. Wow. Um, Yeah, we're all we're all the way from our furthest south is San Luis Obispo and our northern is Redding. So we're all wow. we have a big wow. range. Um. So What I would encourage in that situation is to get your person signed up with IHSS because that's at least something. They're not going to be as involved as an agency. I have to look into it. I think that there is other options out there. I think like Arc Solano, there's a few different places that can provide the support without the regional center funding because they can bill Medi-Cal or Medicaid. Okay. We, my agency in particular cannot, and I know a lot of SLS and ILS agencies don't bill medi Medicaid, we only are vendors through regional. So there is places out there. You know, I'm going to look into that because that's a really good. I'm
0: just curious. A good question. <laughs> well, yeah. I know I know some of our families, they there's a need there. But in order to qualify for North Bay Regional Center, you have to meet certain requirements. And mm-hmm. if you miss one, like you're almost there, but you don't quite make it. Uh, some of those kids still have, or some of those adults uh, still have need. And so I know that connecting them to resources like this would be huge because a, a life coach really is bringing those fundamental things of what it takes to be independent. So right, right. Um, I love that. All right. So I think we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode, but we're going to have you come back in the future and I'll have a bunch of questions for you. So it. bring it on. Yay. I think Thank this is super fun. Thank you
1: so much. This was, I think, one of the most important topics that I have um heard right because this is something that we just are so crazy scared of and yeah. so to hear the positives because we really only hear the negative
0: I actually don't even hear about this right now yeah I mean I've heard the term ILS and SLS and you know maybe there's a home or I, but I in really the news
1: you hear negative right abuse and those kind of things and so that's what sticks in our head so you don't hear the successes and And the wonderful opportunities this is so just such a relief yeah right to to hear that so i can't thank you enough for for coming and talking to us this this just
0: oh i
1: know i really can take i'm really
0: excited we're we're cut we're at that 18 year old mark so we're entering into this and i really feel like oftentimes it feels like a black hole that mm-hmm. we're stepping into um but you just kind of shined a little light in there for me so i'm really excited <laughs> yeah. no i, yeah. think, I, I yes. think
2: next time next time let's touch a little bit on how to access those supports from your yes. regional side i'd be happy to g- provide some guidance there because i'm sure a lot of people are going to say well how do i get this going right what yeah. do i do who do i yes. talk to well, i'll provide i can definitely you know shine a little light in that because i think that's a big first step is is what the heck like yes otherwise it's there's all this stuff information floating out there you have to be able to find somewhere to land a topic to land on that you start with for your process so but we can definitely touch on
0: that in our next in our next chat for sure all right so we'll remind everybody that you can like and share a special kind of chaos podcast with all your friends. And give us
1: five stars,
0: please. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram. Yes. And we're special kind of chaos on Instagram. And you can also find us on Facebook. Facebook. We have a fan page where you can follow along with our journey or you can join our group. You can join our group and you can be part of the actual conversations that we have going on there. We'd love, we love to connect with you guys. Yes. We want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, Tell us what you'd want to,
1: you want to hear. Yeah. Tell us what topics you're thinking that would be good for us to tackle. Yeah.
0: So stay tuned. (laughs) Woohoo. Have a great day. Bye.